And so what I want to ask people is, is that when have you seen it? Right. I mean, we can get into these sort of six syllable word kind of conversations. But the truth of the matter is, is that when last have you been overwhelmed by God's majorness and how did it change you? And the point I make is, is that, yeah, I see it at the mountains and yeah, I see it at the shores and yeah, I see it on my morning walks in nature. But I also see it when I see people endure. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. It's so good to see you, Bishop. Good to be with you, Melissa. I missed you. I was away for a little while. I know. I missed you. I hope you had a good summer. (laughs) I did. Thank you. Well, this week you reflected on part of Peter's second letter when he speaks of Jesus's majesty. Yeah. You broke down the word majesty to mean majorness. And I'm always curious to understand your motivation for choosing on which passages you write your devotions. Yeah. So why this one and why now? I don't have a clue. No, (laughs) (laughs) no. I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time in terms of reading scriptures appointed for the Sunday and, and trying to decide which one uh, might be uh, the one to land on. It has something to do with um, what jumps out at me, and it has something to do with what I understand is happening in the world. And uh, it, sometimes it's a challenge. I challenge myself to choose a lesson that I've not given a lot of thought to previously um, as you, I've been around the track more than a few times in what we call our lectionary, our appointed lessons. And so, um, uh, and so sometimes I, I just, I, I try to meet new friends in scripture, if that makes any sense. So if I've done the Psalm appointed for the day or the gospel lesson appointed for the day, I will challenge myself. I think this is one of the strengths of reading a lectionary, uh, which is you don't sort of default always to your own particular preference. But you you have four opportunities, uh, and so I, I guess why I got to uh, Peter's lesson uh, was it's it's really about the transfiguration. It's really about that that story about about how Jesus invites his friends to pray, and it's just the executive committee of the disciples uh, who get to go up the mountain to pray, and and uh, before they really get to pray, and they fall asleep, and that's where all the magic happens, and and Jesus is high and lifted up and his garments are transformed, something changes. And these guys sort of groggy eyed, wake up and see all this. And they hear a changing voice. They hear uh, God, the voice of God say that this is my son. You know, he has my authority. I'm well pleased in him, Uh, follow him. And so um, I just think as we are uh, coming out of a COVID fog and entering into the next chapter of another COVID fog and, uh, and there's sort of a malaise, right? And I can imagine the disciples experiencing some kind of malaise as well in the in the mix up mix up of life. What recenters them? What recenters Jesus? And that is his majesty, right? The majesty they experienced them, and, and majesty is just a majorness. So, uh, how can I make Jesus major again in my life? Really, not sen- sentimentally, but in fact. Mm. So. After reflecting on your devotion for me, I read it a number of times, and 
I don't know, weirdly, two words kept bubbling up for me. And you know me, Bishop, you know, I'm kind of like that black and white thinker. (laughs) So they're kind of, they're kind of opposites. But I, acceptance and rejection kept bubbling up. And I'm not sure. I don't know if it's because I need to accept God's majesty or see and, and encounter and accept that that is God. Yeah. Or, or reject it, you know, like, oh, that's not God. That's not of God or whatever. And I'm wondering what it might mean for us to reject God's majorness or not notice it or consider it to be inconsequential. Like, what does that mean for us? Well, I mean, this is the push and pull of the entire Bible, isn't it? I mean, we can we can center God. We can make God first. We can make God primary, uh, not only in word, but in deed. Or we can center ourselves, make ourselves major, make our fears, wants, desires major, and deal with the consequences of that. The thing about us is, is that we're made in the image of God, have dignity and worth, all of us, right? But what's coded in, what's bundled into us is a space for God, right? And when we give that space to something else or someone else, uh, we go off the tracks, and, and that's just the fact. And sometimes we do it consciously. Sometimes we do it unconsciously. Sin only means we've missed the mark, right? It somehow means we've not been who we were designed to be, right? And so the, the majorness is medicine, actually. It's a, funny, it's a funny thing. As God is high and lifted up in our lives, there's a medicine there for us right? We get the right scale. We get the right proportion. We get the right interrelationship with other people. We get the right interdependence with other people, right? Because God is the head of our family, right? And therefore that makes you and I siblings. But somehow when we don't sort of put God in that major place, it's easy to make ourselves major, right? And our whims and our biases, uh, known and unknown, conscious and unconscious, uh, as central. And then that's how the world gets off the track real easy. And then we become competing, you know, sort of demi-majors, right? Whereas God's majorness provides space for all of us. And so it's a medicine, right? It was a, It's a recentering for Jesus. I mean, even though Jesus was high and lifted up in that transfiguration moment, he is actually, in the story, he is actually not God, right? In that story, God's voice breaks in and says, this is my son. So there's a hierarchy developed right there. Uh, and so I, I just think that the, the majorness is something for us to pay attention to because we can slip into sort of centering ourselves and dealing with the sad consequences of that. Mm. So when I think of majorness and I think of centering and all those things, I think of an ordering. Like you just talked about, there's an order, there's father, right. there's son, there's all of us. And, That's right. And you you mentioned the transfiguration because this is kind of what Peter is recalling that he was an eyewitness too, and that word transfiguration is a big one for me. In fact, I was somewhere I think it was the diocese of Virginia, and it was another clergy person who said, you know, instead of the word transformation, maybe we should use the word transfigure more often, because when I think of the word transfigure, I think of the I think of unrecognizable, and how are we being changed? on a constant basis for the good that we don't even recognize ourselves from the day before. I don't know if what I'm going, I I feel like (laughs) I'm spewing, but transfiguration is a big deal. And Peter was an eyewitness to it. And he lived his life beyond that imperfectly (laughs) 
Yeah. But right. still striving. I don't know. Got any thoughts on that? Well, vision? I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, there's a good question in there. So, I mean, I guess why, what I want to say, why I think this is important to, to dwell on, like, uh, what is God's majorness? How have you seen it? How has our readers seen it, our listeners seen it? And how has it changed you? It's important because there's a blueprint, there's an orderedness, right? So there's something about how when we see God high and lifted up, when we see the beauty of God, when we see the scope and scale of God, we see the depth and the height of God, that is transforming. That transforms us more than rules, mm-hmm. right? The truth of the matter is, is that even in Peter's own life, right, grace extended to him after he dramatically misses the mark. When Jesus needed his friends the most, right, he, forsake, he forsook him, right? And so, but Jesus burst from the grave, and extends him radical grace. He goes right back, Jesus does, to the very people, right, who cheated and lied and you know, you know, hid and were afraid. And, and in that exchange of grace that is undeserved and unmerited, Peter is forever changed, right? That's transfiguration. So, so he had some glimpse, right, as Jesus slips through those locked doors and all that fear, that grace transformed Peter. Right, the majorness of God delivered to Peter through Jesus's resurrected self there changes him. And so, what I want to ask people is, is that when have you seen it? Right. I mean, we can get into these sort of six-syllable word kind of conversations, but the truth of the matter is, is that when last have you been overwhelmed by God's majorness and how did it change you? And the point I make is, is that yeah, I see it at the mountains, and yeah, I see it at the shores, and yeah, I see it on my morning walks in nature. But I also see it when I see people endure, when I see people forgive, when I see people be just just unbelievably generous, when I see people have hope when you and I might say there's no hope, right? And I ask myself, how do they endure? And a lot of the people that I know, they're enduring because they think that God somehow commends it and inspires it. And so I believe that you know, this life is a deeply theological crucible, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so the, the people that I admire, you know, made their way, you know, against all odds because they believe that God is and was more than what their eyes see, more than racism, sexism, homophobism, xenophobism, more than all of that, more than selfishness, more than war. And so they pushed on. But it was because somehow they had a glimpse of who God was, and that changed the whole game. Those are the people that we venerate. Those are the people that we admire. Those are the people's voices that we look for in times like COVID. How did they get over? How can I get over? How can I push on? So I I believe it has to do with God's majorness. Here's what I also think I know. Little God Little endurance, little reconciliation, little forgiveness, little inspiration, right? Little ability to long suffer. Big God, big opportunities to forgive, big motivation to, to uh, have joy and to share. And You see what I mean? So I think there is a correlation between how big is your God and how big is your faith. Yeah, man. <laughs> we could probably stop right now. But I think we'll just take a short break. We'll be right back. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode?
Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to four people and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, before the break, you had said something, uh, you know, uh, how big is your God? And, you know, sometimes I feel like people get so stuck in their ways and they want to protect their big God or what they think is their big God and make big rules. And, and, and they become about like, I guess, controlling rather than ordering, controlling people. And, you know, they should all over people, you know, like the should becomes a big, big word. Um, you said should, should, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> I, I'm saying should, um, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm curious where grace is. That I mean, I know grace isn't much in that. Yeah. But how do you feel like we are doing as a society in enforcing rules or practicing grace or where God is in all of this freaking judgment going yep. on right now? Yeah. Well, again, as I said, you know, I think life is deeply theological. And I think the vision that many of us who, who would call ourselves uh, people of faith have of God um, sort of directs our actions, our rulemaking, our, you know, our inner relationship. And so what I would say is, you know, get a bigger dose of God to make your way. I think a lot of times, obviously rules are important. Obviously the law is important, obviously, right? For Mm -hmm. For an ordering. But we find ourselves so many times in places that are sort of beyond rules, right? You, you, You can't legislate neighborliness, you can't legislate love. You can't legislate forgiveness and appreciation and tolerance. You, you can't do that. So there's something else for us. And sadly, uh, a, a lot of times, you know, our churches are guilty of preaching a small God, a rule-keeping God, or what I like to call a, a knitting needles and kitten God, a cute and quaint God <laughs> that has no power, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so that's not the gospel, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, is that Jesus came among us uh, with a love so audacious, so radical that it became dangerous to the state and to the temple, and they had to try to eradicate him. But the love is so great and so magnanimous that it came back even after we murdered it, right? This is the good news of God in Christ. And so so Jesus uh, confronts this notion about the law and grace in one of my favorite stories, the story of the prodigal son. Right. So according to the law, when the son came back after dissolute living, I love that phrase. Right. After, you know, just nonstop partying with with all the fancy people, he comes back. And I love how one preacher said, smelling to high heaven, like in tight disco clothing. Right. After too many nights out. Right. And and he's received not by the law, but by grace. Right. That has to be uh, inspired by the glimpse, I would argue, that that father had, that that parent had of who God was. And maybe we don't preach this way when we preach the story. And maybe that father who allowed his son to go off on his journey was that son some decades before and had been welcomed back by a magnanimous father. And so, yeah, there's a place for rules. Of course, there's a place, but you know, there's also a place for grace. What I like about God is God wants to be more than just right. And some of us just want to be right. And grace says there's something more right than being right, right? And that is the majorness of God. That sort of, that character feature right there just blows your mind. 
that God finds a way inside of God's self to make room for the most errant of us, not based on our ability to pray, to sing, to give, to be acceptable, but just because God has decided that we are beloved. Mm. So you earlier on, you talk about God's majorness being on display. Yeah. Uh, and then you wrote, not only in nature, but an incomprehensible peace, God-inspired endurance, forgiveness, joy, et cetera, et cetera. And then you went on to say, <laughs> you went on to say something that uh, recognizing God's majorness puts everything else in its proper order. That's right. And to me, proper is a bit of a conjecture. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you can unpack that for us. Sure. I, proper is just what we've been talking about already, which is the order according to God's order. Right. That's all what I mean by proper. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, let me give you an example of, of, of a piece of scripture that I'm really interested in right now. And I'm not sure why I am. It just sort of has come to me in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Right. His his sort of beloved congregation. As Paul gets ready to say goodbye in the fourth chapter, he says, I have been a I have been abased and I have been abound, and I have learned how to be content in the state therewith. In other words, what he's saying is God is more than having nothing, and God is more than having a whole lot, and if I've got God, I'm content, right? And so uh, what I, what I, why I, I conjure that up for you is because what Paul is trying to say is that's the order of life. Uh, the Bible says that uh, if wealth increases, don't set your heart on it right? It's a good thing. Work hard, you know, achieve, you know, do all of that, get all of those things are good things, right? But, but just remember the order of all of that. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? It's an important distinction. Yeah. It's not a sort of, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a broad stroke against those of us who happen to have a few nickels to rub together, but it's the order there. And so the majorness is recentered again. Who is God? If I have God, I have enough. All the other stuff is decoration. Amen. Well, decoration. Are we being eyewitnesses to God's <laughs> glory, God's majesty, God's majorness, all those things? Yeah. Are we recognizing that in ourselves and in others? I mean, I think this is this is these are the questions that can change. You know, remember in Isaiah the sixth chapter, it was. Uh, you know, it was Isaiah sitting in the pew. He always sat in, right? King Uzziah had died. There was political unrest and uncertainty in the land, right? But he gets a glimpse. He gets a glimpse of God's majorness again. And that changes everything. And where perhaps he was a civil servant who was all about his own self. Uh, now at the end of that story, he becomes a guy who says, send me, I'm ready to go. Yeah. So it's, it's the majorness. So so worship, if you know, worship as it's supposed to be, is not sort of some dry, you know, um, you know, execution of you know antiquated language and ideas. You know, worship is supposed to give us that glimpse again of God high and lifted up in the Eucharist, uh, in the architecture, uh, in the singing, in the words we say. Right? It's supposed to recenter us that we are not the center of the universe but that God is in our rightful place with God and with one another is as co-creators and siblings. And when we get there, the joy increases. Amen. 
Well, Bishop, as always, I'm grateful for you. Listeners, thank you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we look forward to being back with you next week.